Father, we stand in your presence this morning. You are the most awesome God, the one true God, the living God, the creator, the sustainer, the healer, the saviour, the coming King. Lord, we are in awe of you today. We welcome your Holy Spirit to be among us. And I pray that you would give us ears that would hear your voice and your word. I pray that, Lord, today you would do something in our hearts and help us, Lord, I pray, to to live the life that you want us to live, to be what you want us to be, to do what you want us to do by your grace and your power. Lord, we give you glory today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And good morning, everybody, and please take your seats. Salamat pagi. Okay. Thank you. Great, great to be back at Praise Center again. And I haven't seen you since the start of the year. So happy new year. Happy birthday. Shall we do let's do the whole lot at once. Happy Easter, happy anniversary. We'll do everything all at once. I, I trust you've been well. I pray you've had a great start to the year as well. How many of you have had COVID? How many have had COVID here? Well, I had I'm double vaccinated. I had my booster, and a couple of weeks ago, I went to Europe You know, as part of our, our ministry. I was in Germany and the Netherlands, and on a Monday morning, I had my PCR test to fly home. On Tuesday morning, I woke up that it was a negative test, and I got into the plane, and when I got into the plane, I thought, gee, I feel really cold, and I started to cough, and I felt nausea, and then when I got home at a PCR test, guess what? Positive for, for COVID. So I'm out of isolation for three days now. So don't get too close at the end of the service. Um, it's, it's horrible. But um, great, I'm, so I'm alive, didn't have any breathing difficulties. I had every other symptom except that one. <laughs> so I could tick all the lists except that one. So I was quite pleased about that. So I'm looking forward to sharing God's word with you today because last Sunday my, my wife has gone to the United Kingdom to be with our son and daughter-in-law and new grandson and I was by myself, just me and the dog. I couldn't preach anywhere. I had to cancel my ministry. So it's great to be back today. So I've got an accumulated bunch of energy inside of me, ready to let loose uh, today also. Well, as you know, your church is currently doing a series having working through the book of John. And hopefully um, you'll get through the book of John before Jesus returns, uh, because you've been going in it for a very long time. And your pastor has given me a couple of verses to unpack today. And I've really got so much out of preparing this message, and I just hope I'm able to convey what I, I felt that uh, had God to put inside of my heart. In our text today that I'm about to read is an astonishing sentence where Jesus effectively says, you can have anything that you ask for. But my question today is, well, is that true? Does God give us everything and anything we ask for. Now we know that God has revealed himself as a prayer answering God and he doesn't always answer in the way that we might expect or in the time frame that we are hoping for because God has eternal plans and purposes that transcend our human understanding. And the shape and the timing of answered prayer depends entirely upon the prerogative, the purposes and the will 
of God. And any answer to prayer that God gives will always be for His glory and our good and not just to satisfy our own selfish ingratiation, all the things that we really want. So why did Jesus say such a thing that we're about to have a look at, that you can have anything that you ask for? What point was he trying to make? And why are there other verses in Scripture that tell us that we can have anything that we want, anything that we can pray for? And what we're going to discover as we begin to unpack the words of Jesus is that there are always conditions attached to receiving assured answers to prayer. And we'll explore those conditions later in the message. And I believe that today it will really help you to understand why some, pray, some prayers are answered and some prayers are not. And we're going to use this short passage that your pastor has, has given me as like a launching pad for that today. And the title of my message is, oh, it's, it's not, not quite right, Prayer Unlimited, but there's supposed to be a question mark at the end. But Edwin... Edwin, when he did the edits, must have just changed it slightly. It should be prayer unlimited with a question mark. And the text that I've been given today is John 14, verses 12 to 14. John 14, verses 12 to 14, which also wasn't there, Edwin. You and I need to have a talk at the end of this service uh, also. So prayer unlimited, question mark is, is, is the title. And the text is John 14, verses 12 to 14. But before I actually read the text... Let me give you the context in which Jesus spoke these words. So, Because if we're to really understand the text, we need to understand the context. Who did Jesus speak to? When did he speak it to? And why? The location of these words is Jerusalem. And the disciples have gathered in the upper room for an evening meal. And it was the night before the Passover feast. The night was later to become the Last Supper. And this event is found in John's Gospel and it's recorded from chapter 13, verse number 1, right through to chapter 17, verse number 26. And these chapters and verses record Jesus' personal and private ministry to his disciples. And the disciples didn't really understand that they were never going to see him in his earthly existence again. Now, in the previous chapter, chapter 13, Jesus had washed his disciples' feet. Judas had left to betray him. Jesus told them that he was about to be glorified, or in other words, that his purpose was about to be fulfilled. And then Jesus predicted that Peter would betray him. And that's where we come to chapter 14, verse number 1. It seems that all that Jesus had just been speaking to unsettled the disciples, upset them. So Jesus brought a wonderful verse of consolation. In verse number 1 of chapter 14, he said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And he gave them a number of reasons why they shouldn't be anxious about what was going to happen to him and what was going to happen in, in the future. For Jesus said, I am going ahead of you to prepare a place for you in my father's house. And he said, and then I will come back and I will take you to be with me. And he said, and then you will know the way. But when Jesus said that, Thomas blurted out and said in verse number five, Lord, Edwin, end of the service, we need to have a talk. Okay, verse number five said, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? 
And then Jesus replied in those famous words and said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one goes to the Father but but through me. He was the way to the Father through whom they would know the Father. When Jesus said that, Philip seized upon his words and made a request in verse number 8 that said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. To which Jesus responded and said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And he urged him to believe that he it was in the Father and the Father was in him. And he gave them two reasons to really believe that he was in the Father and the Father was in him. The first was, he said, my words, the very words I speak are not my own. They are the Father's words. So when you hear me, you are hearing the Father. But the second reason he told them that they should believe that when they see him, they have seen the Father is found in verse 11 where he said, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. In other words, when you see what I'm doing, you are seeing what the Father is doing. So he's saying to them, in, in, in a quick summary here, in seeing him, they have seen the Father. In hearing him, they have heard the words of the Father. In seeing his miracles, his works, they were seeing the works of the Father. And Jesus' works are described as his miracles, which were attesting to who he was as God's son and to who his, father's, his, his father was. His miracles affirmed that he was God's sent son. And the purpose of the signs and the miracles was to help people put their faith in Jesus to believe in him. And against that backdrop, we come to the text that your pastor has given me, which is verses 12 to 14 of John 14. Two quick things before I I, I read the text to you. First, in the Greek, in the original language, the text that I'm about to read is all one sentence in the Greek. And the second thing I want to point out is that it's all in the future tense, meaning that Jesus' words were referring to the time after he suffered, he died, he was resurrected and ascended. It is not stated, but the future tense refers to when the Spirit would come, which is what Jesus spoke about right after the passage that I'm about to read. I'll read the text to you, then we'll begin to unpack and apply it to our lives. Verse number 12. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing, and he will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. That is a profound verse. Then he said, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. So our text today starts when Jesus said, I tell you the truth. And whenever you see those words in in the gospel, it always served to underline the statement that he was about to make. So what was so important? What did Jesus want to emphasize when he said, I tell you the truth? In the second part of verse number 12, he says, Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. I don't know about you, but wow, that this implies that those who believe in Jesus will have power to perform the works such as those that Jesus did in his earthly ministry. 
But then Jesus went on and said something even more astonishing. In, in, in the next part of verse number 12, he said, He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. When you first read those words, you think, what a staggering claim that we'll be able to do even greater miracles than Jesus. Have a think about those words. You'll do greater things than these. And I ask the question, really? So what we need to do is we need to stop and reflect on the words of Jesus and just see what he's trying to emphasize, what point he's trying to get through. Because as you look at the whole book of John, the Gospel of John, or the majority of the Gospel of John, is taken up with the narration of all the signs, of all the miracles that Jesus had done, and an explanation of them, and the meaning of them. In fact, some people have called the, the Gospel of John the book of signs, because it goes through the great things that Jesus had done. And here is just a, a survey of just some of the great things that Jesus had done that, that were signs. For example, Jesus turned water into wine. Then we read about healing miracles like the official son and, and the cripple at the pool of, of Bethesda. Then we have the feeding of the multitude in the wilderness. Then Jesus walked upon the water and then he raised Lazarus from the dead after he'd been in the tomb for four days and I don't know about you when I began to look at that list of, of miracles I began to think when Jesus said you will do even greater things than these I think what could possibly be greater than those miracles that he had done but before we answer that question why did Jesus say that we'll be able to do greater things. Why did he say that we'll be able to do them? What makes them even possible? Again, back to verse number 12, Jesus said, and he will do even greater things than these. This is so profound. Because I am going to the Father. And because I am going to the Father is a powerful statement that foreshadows a couple of things. That statement, because I go to the Father, foreshadows, firstly, his redemptive mission would be complete. In other words, he was saying, you will do even greater things than these because I'm about to accomplish the mission that the Father has sent me to do. He was foreshadowing here that the price of sin would be paid through his vicarious suffering upon the cross and his death that his innocent blood would become the once for all sacrifice for sin and that in his own being he would bear the punishment and the wrath of God for the sins of all mankind. He foreshadowed in that statement that he would be raised from the dead and in doing so he would be attested as the Son of God with power. By being raised from the dead he would break the power of sin. He would shatter the grip of the grave and he would destroy Satan's tyranny. His resurrection would be the first fruits, guaranteeing that all who believe in him would also be raised from the dead and have eternal life. And after being resurrected, he would ascend to the Father's right hand where he would have the name that is above every other names and he would be given the title King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And his ascension would also initiate 
The second thing that the words, because I go to the Father, would foreshadow. And the second thing is the great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. For the Father and the resurrected Son would send the promise of the Holy Spirit. And as, as mentioned before, Jesus was about to go on and speak about the Spirit directly after the words that we're having a look at today. So why? Why would the Spirit be given? Why would the Spirit be outpoured? And here's just a few of the reasons why the Holy Spirit was given. The Holy Spirit has been given to us to indwell believers and empower them to live the Christian life. The Holy Spirit has been given to empower us to tell other people about Jesus. The Holy Spirit has been given to empower us or enable us to pray effectively. The Holy Spirit has been given to divinely equip God's people for supernatural ministry and mission within and through the church. The Holy Spirit has been given to us. So when Jesus said, you will do even greater things than these because I go to the Father, that statement, because I go to the Father, is a powerful statement that changes everything. And you may feel today that you are weak and you may feel like you are an anemic Christian, but I want you to remember today, He has gone to the Father. The redemptive mission has been complete. The Holy Spirit has has come and on that basis we can say today if we're moving in line with the mission of God nothing is impossible to him and I want to say today greater things are on the way because Jesus said because I go to the Father we live in victory today because he has gone to the Father we have dominion today because he has gone to the Father we have life today we have hope today we have healing today we have his presence today we have joy today because he has gone to the father praise God Jesus has been raised from the dead and he has gone to the father now with that in mind we 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 come back to the words that where Jesus said greater things he said you will do greater things than these he said because I go to the father and there are a couple of different ways that you can interpret the words of Jesus when he said greater things than these. When he said, you will do greater things. I would suggest that one, one of the ways that people see the words greater things is greater in quantity, not in quality. So you will do greater things in the sheer number of things that you will do, not necessarily the quality of the miracles that Jesus had done. So a first way of understanding his words is that we will do more of them, not, not, not necessarily a greater quality of, of what he had done. And when Jesus performed signs and wonders and miracles, there was, it was for one central theme, to emphasize the eternal life of the kingdom of God that comes to the person who puts their faith in him as its mediator. All signs and wonders were pointing, put your faith in Jesus, trust in Jesus, believe in Jesus as the son of the living God. And Jesus had a ministry of words and works, what he said and what he did. And his works confirmed what he said. And all of the words and works, that is signs and miracles of Jesus, affirmed and declared that he was the sovereign, saving son of the living God. 
Similarly, we have been commissioned to share the gospel and make disciples. But we are to do so in the power of the Holy Spirit. In healings and miracles, said, said Jesus, would be a, a sign that would authenticate and confirm the gospel message. At the end of Mark's gospel, chapter 16, verses 17 to 18, Jesus said, And these signs will accompany those who, who believe. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get, get well. And after Pentecost, as the apostles and believers began to move uh, throughout to spread the gospel, we see in the narrative there that miracles confirmed the preaching of the gospel. Acts 5 verse, verse number 12 says, The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And then in Acts 14 verse number 3, in, in Iconium, it says, Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of His grace by enabling them to do miraculous signs and wonders. Now when Jesus was here, He was one man at one place at one time. And He was limited to a comparatively small sector of Palestine. But here is the great news. Now, by His Spirit, He indwells and empowers all believers everywhere throughout the world to tell people about Jesus without any geographical limitation whatsoever. And this means that potentially the Spirit can use us in the power of the Spirit to do signs and wonders to accompany and authenticate the gospel message and the proclamation of it. And so there's no limitation. Jesus was one man in one place at one time and he did miracles wherever he was. But now there is no limitation. And the billions of people who believe in Jesus potentially by the indwelling and empowering of the Spirit can tell other people about who he is and do great signs and wonders in his name. So, excuse me. A bit of COVID there. One, one way of seeing the greater things is not just in terms of the caliber or the quality of the miracles, but the scale, that there will be more of them, you will do greater things. But a second way that we can have a look at the words greater things is this, they will be greater in scope and, and dimension. Some, 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 some people see the words greater things with an emphasis on the greater rather than the things. So they say it's greater than the things that perhaps Jesus has done. In other words, that we will do something greater than miraculous signs. And what they are referring to is the sharing of the gospel, which leads to the miracle of regeneration. For to me, the greatest miracle is when a life is rescued from the kingdom of darkness and is brought into the kingdom of light. Uh, when a life is born again by the Spirit of God, a life where all things have passed away and all things have, have become new, a life that is completely forgiven before Almighty God and there is no charge that is left against us to answer, a life that unexpectedly and undeservedly experiences God's grace in all of its fullness, a life that has a purpose, a hope, and an eternal future, a life that, that is born again, that belongs to God, that now knows Him. I don't know about you, that is a miracle, an absolute miracle when a life is born again by God's Spirit. So some people see 
the greater things as not just miracles, but something even greater, which is when a life is born again by the Spirit of God. I kind of believe it's a little bit of both. I think it's a, it, it's a bit of both because I believe in healings. I believe in miracles. I've seen signs and wonders, so I'm believing for even greater things in both those dimensions there. But please note that both of these interpretations of the word greater things are when we are centered around mission. In other words, when we are proactively telling other people about Jesus and who he is as we are involved in gospel ministry. But the question that this leads to as we move out of verse, verse number 12 is, how are we to appropriate the greater things that Jesus has spoken about? How can we see them? And the answer, said, said Jesus, is to pray in his name, to call upon him in his name. Verses 13 and 14 read, And I will do anything you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. And again, I go, wow, what a wonderful promise. A seeming promise of unlimited answers to prayer. In the scriptures, there are a number of verses suggesting that, like these ones here, that we can have whatever we ask for. But what we're about to see is that as we go through these scriptures, that there's always a condition that governs the answer to prayer. And it's important for us to understand that because uh, you'll find with God, uh, motives really matter to God. It's not just what we pray, but why we pray it. And what, what, what is behind that prayer is, is very important. So I just want to briefly just go through five scriptures that tell us we can have anything that we ask for and give the condition that is attached to that so that we can start to see answers to prayer. And we'll conclude with this one we've just been looking at in John 14. Number one, a first scripture that, that teaches that you can have anything you ask for is that one located in 1 John 5, which is a wonderful promise. And it says this, it says, if, and if I had a, a pen here, I would circle that if, because it's a very big if. It says, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. So in this context, answers to prayer are contingent upon them being aligned with God's will. And one of the profound mysteries of prayer is summed up in the question, how do I know what I'm praying is the will of God? Have you ever prayed that prayer? I have lots of times. How do I know that what I'm praying is the will of God? But God's will and God's ways are recorded in His Word. And the more we can align our prayers with what Scripture teaches and Scripture prescribes, the more likely we are to be praying in alignment with the will of God. And if our prayers are based on the clear teaching of Scripture, it is more likely to conform with God's will. And someone has very astutely said, all prayer, every prayer is an adaptation of one prayer, your will be done. All prayer, every prayer that we pray should be an adaptation of that one prayer, your will be, 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 be done. 
But what we learn here is that a first condition for us seeing answers to prayer is, is it in alignment with God's will? Number two, a second scripture that says you can have anything that you ask for is found in John 15, verse verse 7, where Jesus said, here's that word again, if, you can put a circle around that, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. And in this teaching here, Jesus is employing the allegory of vine, branches and fruitfulness. And Jesus said, you will receive answers to prayer if you live a life that is reliant on the indwelling life of Jesus in the same way a branch draws nutrition from the vine. If you cut off a branch, it will die because the nutrition is not coming through the vine into the branch. And in the same way, we will never live fruitful Christian lives and we will never bear fruit and we will never receive the answers to prayer if we are not living a life completely dependent upon the life of Jesus inside of us. And also that we are obeying him, applying what he said and feeding upon the teaching of of Jesus. But again, if we use the scriptures as a basis for our prayer, it's one of the ways that we can help the words of Jesus, the word of God to get into our heart. And if we live in him and his words are living inside of us, we can have the confidence that our prayers are going to be heard by God and answered by God. Because when you are living in Jesus, abiding in Him, remaining in Him, dwelling in Him, you aren't going to ask anything that's selfish or anything that's off the tree. You'll be in alignment with His heart as well. Number three, there's a third scripture that says you can have anything that you ask for. And it's also found in the first epistle of John, chapter 3, verse number 22, where John wrote and said, We receive from Him anything we ask because... We obey his commands and do what pleases him. So John said there are two things that will bring confident answers to prayer. The first one is, (coughs) excuse me again, (coughs) COVID's horrible thing, is, is that you obey God's commands. And in the context here, when it says we obey his, his commands, it's not just the commands in general, but the specific ones to believe in Jesus and to love one another. So the context is, if we receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands in the context specifically to believe in Jesus and to love one another. And the second condition he brings here is, and we do what pleases him. In other words, that the motivation in obeying the commands is to please the Lord. Now, that's a very big condition. And we need to ask ourselves today, am I living my life in adherence and obedience to believing in Him and loving one another? And is, the, is my motivation for that to please the Lord? Just recently, I had a very significant birthday. I am no longer in my 50s. I'm now in my seventh decade of life. Just recently, I turned 60. And... Um, when look, I know I don't look at I know I know you're thinking that, but <laughs> thank you for that lie. That's great. Thank you. One of the questions I'm, I was most commonly asked on my birthday was, what does the next five years look, look like for you? What's the goal for you in the next five years? 
You know, and I, I can tell you there are certain things I want to do in ministry, but I would say above it all, I think the age that I've come to, I think above everything, I want to please God. I just want to do what gives honor and glory to Him, pleasing Him. And I think if we have that as the motive of our life, we aren't going to ask anything that's outrageous or selfish or, or wrong, but if anything, we're going to be in alignment with His heart for us. Number four. There's a fourth scripture that says you can have anything that you want, and that's found in Mark 11, verse number 24. Now, remember the context. They're standing in front of a fig tree that Jesus has cursed, and it has withered from the roots up. And the astonished disciples are going, whoa, look at this. You spoke to it yesterday, and today it's dead. And Jesus said, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. So the fourth condition for answered prayer is faith. We need to pray with faith. We need to be believing that what we're praying is going to happen. But to understand the nature of the faith that, that, that is described here in, in Mark 11, we must forensically trace back a little bit and have a look at the teaching that Jesus had just brought prior to when he said, you can have anything that, that you ask for. He was, he was speaking about how that the object of our faith, in other words, the person we put our faith in must be God alone. For it says in verse number 22, have faith in God. He did not say, have faith in your faith. He said, have faith in God. And Scripture teaches that faith is a response to the revelation of God in Christ and the revelation of God in, in the Scriptures. And as we believe that, as we stand upon that, and we put our faith in Him, He is the object of our faith. Not our faith itself, but Him. And, and then He went on to speak about how that faith must, must be verbalized. For in verse number 23 of Mark 11, He said, If anyone says to this mountain, be moved and cast into the sea... Faith is not just evidenced by what we believe in our hearts, but also by what we say, by the things that we are saying. Our words are very powerful. Then Jesus spoke about we've got to subdue any inner doubt and unbelief in our heart. For he says, verse number 23, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes. And then he spoke about how that our faith must be, must be vocalized through prayer. He said, for whatever you ask for, and prayer is the primary way in which we express our faith before God. And he spoke about how that our faith must be filled with an anticipation that God is going to answer. For he said, believe that you have received it. There must be a sense of we are believing for something great. And the combination of faith-filled prayer, expressing faith-filled words from a faith-filled heart will result in, it will be done for him. It will be yours. And number five, the fifth and final condition that I, I see in Scripture for answered prayer is found in our text. John 14, verse number 13, where Jesus said, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. So the fifth condition here we see for answered prayer is this. We have to ask in His name. We have to ask in the name of Jesus. Now this does not simply mean that we use His name as a formula. 
that I can ask whatever I want. And as long as I add in Jesus' name on the end, then God is obligated to answer everything that I'm asking for. Absolutely not. Yeah, there's a, a, th- a theologian who has long since died, a guy called Leon Morris, a, a great, great author, who, who said this. It means that prayer is to be in accordance with all that the name stands for. It is a prayer proceeding from faith in Christ, prayer that gives expression to oneness with Christ, and prayer that seeks to glorify Christ. Or in other words, I'll, I'll brucify his words, it means that the prayer must flow out of intimate relationship with Jesus. My prayer must bring glory to God through Christ Jesus. My prayer must be consistent with God's purposes and plans for people to hear about His Son, Jesus. My prayer must be in line with God's mission. So when we're saying today, I'm praying in Jesus' name, we've got to pray consistent with what that name is all about. And when we're praying consistent with that, it's very important. Because as I said before, motives are really important to God. It's not just what we pray, but why we are praying. So here's a quick, quick summary of the five conditions. How, how can we be assured of answers to prayer? How can, we, how can we more align our prayers with the will of God? Number one, ensure that it is His will. Number two, that we're living in Christ. We're abiding in Him. We're remaining in Him. Number three, that we're obeying Him, and specifically to believe in Him and do what pleases Him. Number four, that we're praying with faith. And number five, that we're praying in His name. Let me tie it all off. We've been looking at the verses 13, sorry, John 14, verses 13 and 14, which has been our text here, here today. And we're having a look at unlimited prayer. And we've been seeing that if we are to really see the answers to prayer of the things that that we're hoping for and asking for, then we need to read and know about the conditions that that are there in the Word of God. Now, obviously, not all prayer has the same sense or certainty of answers that, that we're speaking about. Some prayer is asking, some prayer is petitioning, some prayer is seeking, some prayer is knocking, some prayer is is desiring, and many times we just don't know what the outcome will be. So what point was Jesus trying to make in these words here? I would suggest that if we're praying with the right motive, and if we're praying prayers consistent with God's mission, and if we're praying with faith, then we should be expecting great and mighty things. We should be expecting greater things and to pray without limit. So my my simple message today to you, Pray Center, is this. I urge you to pray boldly. I urge you to pray audaciously. I urge you to pray persistently for greater things. I want to challenge you today to believe for miracles, to believe for supernatural breakthrough, to believe that people are going to be saved through the gospel of of Jesus Christ through your life and ministry and the life and ministry of your church, to begin to believe for something unprecedented, something unparalleled, something unstoppable through your life and in this church in Jesus' name. I believe that one of the reasons that Jesus spoke those words to us was to encourage us to believe for greater things than we've ever seen or known before in His name. And I want to encourage you to do the same as well. Would you mind standing with me, please?
greater things. Greater things than we've ever seen. Greater things than we've ever known. Greater things than we've ever experienced. Because He has gone to the Father, the mission is complete. The Spirit has come. The limitations have been taken away. May we pray boldly today in Jesus' name. Let me just pray a prayer of blessing over you today and then I'll hand back to whoever's taking over the service. Our Father, I thank you today that you are a miracle-working God. I thank you today that you are a healing God. I thank you today with faith that there is nothing impossible with you. Nothing is impossible to you. And I pray that, Lord, this church would begin to experience, Lord, the greater things that we have been speaking about today. And I pray that though my voice stops, that your voice would continue and bring this passage alive, Lord, to the hearts of people, that they, Lord, I pray, would live lives that truly are lives demonstrating greater things. We thank you that, Lord, you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think or desire. We thank you that, Lord, there is no limit to your power. Lord, we thank you that you are the great and mighty God. And we give you glory and we give you honor and we give you thanks and we give you praise, Lord, for who you are and for what you've done. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.